today. And uh, there is no telling what God wants to do. Amen. There is just no telling what God wants to do. We, we got to take the limits off of God. Amen. Amen. God can do everything. And we believe that He wants to do something in this place today. Amen. I wonder if you would turn with me to the book of John chapter 4. We're going to read verses 20 through 24, and you can also follow along in the e-bulletin if you have it. John chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 20 through 24. Now that we know He is able, let's take the limits off of God's power in our life. Last week we took the the limits off of God's ability. Because some of us, we had stinking thinking. We, we had thinking that was limiting us. We thought, well, I don't know if He can do that. And we realize God can do everything. Amen. Amen. There's nothing that's too hard for God. So how do we take the limits off of God and His power? How do we, how do we release the limits off of God's power? Now, I'm going I'm to share this secret with you today. It's very simple, so you know, you're know you probably not going to be able to handle it right now. So see if you can just try to take a little bit in and then we'll try to finish it off. How do I take the limits off of God's power in my life? Worship. Worship. That's it. That's, the, that's, that's it. I know it's profound. But how we see and how we view God will determine the extent of His power in our lives. And so much of what we struggle with could just fade away, just disappear with fresh perspective of God and His power in our lives. Genuine worship doesn't, doesn't happen just by singing songs and, and getting a good feeling in your heart. Some, we do that when we come together because it seems like it's more powerful. It's like it's amplified, right? And, and it seems easier to get into that, that mode of worship and that mode of praising God. But genuine worship is seeing God for who He really is. His power. And, and His greatness and His holiness and His sovereignty and His love and His compassion. And then worship is giving Him what He's worth. Worship comes from the old two words, worth-ship. What, is, what are they worth? What is it worth? What is God worth to you? What is He able to do? If we know what He's able to do, then we understand that He is worth the best of our time. He's worth the best of our talents. He's worth the best of our thoughts, the best of our words, the best of our deeds. I can't think of anybody more deserving of my worship than God. So with that in mind, let's read John 4, starting at verse 20. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, uh, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And I want you to get this last line here. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for what You're doing in our hearts and lives. Move in this place today and help us to respond in worship. And God, we will give You glory and praise for all these things. In Jesus' name. And everybody say Amen. 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 You may be seated. Four times in the Scriptures we see that God is looking for something. 
Amen. Maybe you didn't realize this, but this is something that uh, I've noticed, and I like to take note of, of different little uh, intricate details of the Word of God. And one of those that I really like is that when God looks for something, amen, how many of you have ever looked for something? Maybe this morning you looked for your, your phone or your keys or you looked for your Bible or you looked for your purse going out the door or you couldn't find your coat or your scarf or how many, come on now, you know what it's like you were looking for something. And, and it's important when you're looking for something, there is a reason that you are looking for it, right? Because there is something that a uh, value that that is going to bring into your life, and I would say that uh, when you consider that the Almighty God of the universe, who uh, owns everything and has all power, and and there's nothing that He can't do, and when the Scripture says God was looking for something, then then that makes me wonder why was He looking for it? What what was so important about what He was looking for? And four times in the Bible, I find God. God looking for something. In Genesis chapter 3, we read about where He comes walking in the garden and He's looking for Adam and Eve. He's looking for a backslider who's hiding in the bushes from His presence. And In Ezekiel 22 and Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 1, we see that he is looking for an intercessor for all of those of you that are on the prayer team. Amen. God is looking in these cases for an intercessor. He's looking for somebody who will pray not just for themselves, but will pray for the needs of others. Amen. And it's important because we need to understand a couple of things. First of all, he's looking for the backslider. He's looking for the one who uh, sinned and fell away from his presence. God cares about the backslider. He cares about the one who's made the mistake. He cares about the one, amen, who's distanced himself from him and he goes looking for them, amen. The story is told about the, the, the prodigal son and we read how important that love of the Father is in that position and God is looking for those who are backslidden. God is looking for those who have distanced themselves from him. But in the second case here in these other two uh, scriptures in Ezekiel 22 and, and Jeremiah 5, we see him looking for somebody who will pray for others in and that is so important. I can't tell you how many times that the prayers of somebody else, I felt them. I literally felt somebody praying for me. Amen. And I can tell you that God is looking for you not just to be a prayer, but to be an intercessor and to pray, amen, for the needs of others. But but I want to take it a step further, amen, because those are the only, those are three of the four times we see God looking for something. The last is the one that we just read in John 4.23 where God is actually seeking or He is looking for a worshiper. Now, I understand why God is seeking a backslider. I understand because He wants to reconcile them to Him. I understand why He's looking for intercessors, somebody who will stand in the gap because it's all about uh, reaching and bringing the lost and bringing those uh, who are hurting and broken back to Him. I, I get that. I, I understand that. But the one that really gets me is that God is seeking a worshiper. He is looking for a worshiper. And, and I, I wonder why, you know, when I really got to thinking about this, I wonder why God is looking for a worshiper. And then it dawned on me. Because worship is the only thing that God cannot give Himself. And when you worship Him, you are giving Him the worship. You are giving Him what He is worthy of. You are, you are identifying how worthy He is in your life. And so worship is so important. And God can't just worship Himself. 
Amen. He created the angels, but that's their purpose. And so He created man. And man is the only one who gets to choose. Amen. He gets to decide. We're not puppets and we're not robots. He created us with a free will. So when we choose to worship Him and we choose to give Him the honor and the love and the glory that He deserves, Amen. That's what the Scripture is talking about. The Father is seeking those who want to worship. And they want to worship Him in spirit and in truth. He's looking for people People who say, God, you are worthy. God, you are awesome. There is nobody like you. You, you are incredible in my life. Amen. And I'm so thankful to know you. I'm so thankful for your presence. And, and he's looking for worshipers. And this conversation that he is having, he is not having with a religious, so to speak, person. He is not having this conversation with a goody-goody. Read all of John 4. You will find out he's having this discussion with a woman who has had five husbands and now the man she's with is not her husband. You talk about a conflicted situation and the disciples are wondering, what are you doing with this woman? Uh, but we look for van drivers. We look for King's Kids volunteers. We look for life group facilitators and Bible study teachers and team leaders and ushers and greeters and youth pastors and singers and musicians. And we look for people to fill positions, but God is seeking worshipers. God is looking for worshipers. He's not just looking for workers and people who will busy their hands and people who will get the job done. He's looking for people who will come into the house of God, who will stand up every day, amen, and say, God, you are worthy. God, there is nobody like you. God, I honor you. I place you at the forefront of my life. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. God is seeking for worshipers. He's looking for people who will quit just working for God and they'll start worshiping Him. Oh God, He's seeking worshipers. I wonder what's going on in my life. I wonder why I can't get this, this stuff, this, this mess cleaned up. You know why? Because you won't worship. Come on. Right. Right. Amen. So much of your life could get fixed in an atmosphere of worship. Your attitude can get fixed in an atmosphere of worship. Amen. Your, your brokenness, amen, you, not just in your body, but in your emotions, amen, in your mind, in your mentality, it can get fixed, amen, in an atmosphere of worship, in the presence of God. Whenever you start to realize God is great and there's nobody like Him, amen, God is awesome, amen, and there's no, no, there are none that compare to Him. When we look at this, we see that people... Uh, will work for God, but a lot of people stop worshiping God. And when we stop worshiping God, it's only a matter of time before we quit working for God. Because if the worship isn't right, the work is going to fade away. Because people get all out of sorts. You know why people get all out of sorts and it looks like they just walked away from God overnight? They quit worshiping Him long before that. They quit putting Him at the first uh, priority in the first place of their life. And, and I want to just draw your attention to this. If you really look into the woman at the well at John chapter 4, you find this very simple truth that no other qualification is required other than worship. No other. You, you want to you see things fixed in your life? You want to see God do some mighty things in your life? This is all you have to work on, the worship. You know, you know, I got to get better. I got to clean myself up. I got to stop this habit. I got to quit doing that. I got to start doing this. No, no, no. What you need to work on, the only thing that you need to focus on is worship. Amen. 
Because worship has a, a way. Uh, it's easy for us to, to, to see. It doesn't matter to God if you have problems with adultery, if you've had problems with fornication, pornography, addictions, whatever else you have dealt with. That doesn't matter to God. God says, if I can find a worshiper, I can forgive their sins. If I, if I can find a worshiper, I can bring them to repentance. If, if I can find a worshiper, I can help them to become everything I want them to be. If I can just get them to worship me in spirit and in truth, everything else is going to fall into place. Everything else will line itself out. I just got to find somebody who will worship. Amen. And when we worship, things begin to happen. And I think that it's time that this church, and, and, and I felt it last week, I wanted to say it, and I, I kind of felt bad. I said a few things I wish I hadn't said. And uh, if you go back and you listen, you'll, you'll see. I, 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 there were a few things that's uncharacteristic of me saying, but I was frustrated because I was thinking, man, God, you can do everything. And some of us are just sitting on our hands. We're not, I mean, like we, we cheer more for the, the ball team on the television than we do when we're in the house of God. And the power of God is moving. And there's something wrong with that. Come on. Amen. I'm not against sports. And I'm not against you having a good time and cheering something on. That's not my problem. My, my, my issue is that when we get so excited about other things, things of the world and things that the world has to offer. But when we come into the house of God, we sit and we just, I, you know, I'm just not real. I'm just not real, you know, emotional. I just don't really respond like that. That's just not me. Hogwash. Right. <laughs> Amen. When you get excited about something, it's going to stir something inside of you. Something's going to come out of your mouth. Amen. Something's going to come out of your body. You're going to get excited. Your hands are going to raise. Amen. You might even jump a little bit. You might dance around a little bit. But it's time that we become an explosion waiting to happen. I wonder, come on, what would happen if we began to be consumed with a desire for more of Jesus. Amen. And putting Him above everything else in our lives. Above our hobbies. Above our addictions. Above all of our other worries of life. And we said, Jesus, you're going to get first place every day. Every hour of the day. Amen. Amen. Come on, you've got to make some noise in this thing. We don't get points for just sitting and coming. We do it for our kids. We do it for our sports team. Why can't we do it for Jesus? Amen. Why can't we lift Him up? Why can't we give Him the glory that He deserves? That's what He's looking for. He's seeking for a worshiper. He's seeking for somebody who says, I'm not going to sit back and wait. I'm going to worship God. He's done so much for me. I'm going to give Him the glory that He deserves. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. you got to shred those airways with your voice. The Bible says that the, the devil is the prince and power of the air. So you know what happens when you start shouting praises and worship to God? That shreds the devil's kingdom. That's why the devil wants you to stay quiet and sit in your seat and keep on your hands and not say an amen or a hallelujah or that's right or I agree with that or preach it or God will give you glory. He wants you to be quiet because every time you give glory to God, you're shredding the, the devil's kingdom. Worship has a way, amen, of tearing things down. Amen. 
That's the devil's goal. He wants to silence you. You can be seated. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna press on. The true worshipers, Amen. The scripture said he's seeking for the true worshipers. True worship is really seeing again for the first time the tremendous worth of God in our lives, and then in response we're willing to give Him everything that we have. You see, I've never understood when when people say, "Well, I really love Jesus, but I'm just not willing to commit that much." You know what I'm saying? Oh, I love Jesus, but I yeah, that's where I draw the line. Oh no, no. No, when I when I surrendered myself and I laid down my life, I said, whatever you want from me, wherever you want me to go. Somebody asked me not too long ago if I would do something radical if if God called me to do it. They said, You you know, you got this, you got that, you got safety and security. Would you what would you do? I said, I, I it wouldn't even be a question. They said, how would your family respond? I said, it wouldn't even be a question. Why? Because that's, that's us. That's who we are. We're not going to hold anything back. Because our worship doesn't just stay here in the sanctuary. Our worship is our life. Amen. And, and I don't want anybody saying, well, you know what? I know God had His hand on Him. God called Him to do that. He, he just wouldn't step out and do it. He wouldn't make it happen. I, I said, look, if God calls me and I know it's God, I'll do whatever He wants me to do. Why? Because that's worship. Worship is saying, God, I owe you everything. Everything I have is because of you. I don't have anything that God didn't give me. I don't have anything that God didn't bless me with. Amen. Some, some people say, well, I got these talents and abilities and I learned how to do this. God gave me the ability to learn how to do it. He put me in the right place with the right people. He made the connections. God made a way. So I owe Him everything. Amen. I want to turn your attention to Isaiah chapter 6 in uh, verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to read out of the, uh, the ESV. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two He covered His face, and with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one called to another and said, Now get this, they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. What, what is that? That is recognizing, amen, His worthiness. That is recognizing who He is. He is holy and the whole earth is full of His glory. Amen. Verse 4 says, And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. I want to I want to just draw your attention to this. First of all, and I'm going to give you three quick things right here out of Isaiah 6. First of all, worship brings us to look upward. That's the first thing worship will do. A glance at God on His throne. A glance at God in all of His glory. It refocuses us and our view of God. It pulls our affections. Now, just excuse me for a minute. I'm going to get a little bold here. But it, it, it pulls our affections off of our idols. And it puts them on to God. It causes us to remember how good God is. And how awesome He is. How big and how kind. How wonderful and how powerful. How loving and how holy He is. It causes us to, to stop everything else and not, not worry about everything else. And we just we focus on God. It's, it's, a, it's an upward look. We're, we're not focused on the things of life and the things of the world, the things we've got to do tomorrow. And what's, no, it's just, okay, well, hold on. I'm stopping everything right now. And God, You are worthy 
Lord, it doesn't matter what else is going on in my life or what's going to happen tomorrow, and I'm not worried about bills or, or uh, timetables or anything. God, I'm just I'm going to focus right now on you and your worthiness, your, your worthiness in my life. God, there is nothing that's too hard for you. You sit high upon it, so we're looking upward and we're focused on Him. That's the first part of it. And then, second, worship brings then an inward look because we go to verse 5-7, through seven, and I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his his hand a burning coal that he had taken with the tongs from the altar and he touched my mouth and said behold this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for so first of all we're looking upward in worship and when we get a glimpse of how glorious he is and we begin to see just how awesome he is amen it brings us to look inward and say oh God woe is me I am undone there is no good that dwells in me. God, the world that I dwell in is evil and sinful and, and the things that I've been a part of, God, they're not good. And woe is me, God. I need mercy. And as we do this, amen, the Scripture said that the angel flies to him and touches his mouth because of his repentance and says your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. So in worship, I look upward and then that upward glance causes me to look inward and see how undone and how miserable Amen. I am without Him. Amen. And when you see God for who He really is, as Isaiah did, you start to see yourself for who you really are. You start seeing things in your heart and you start seeing things in your life that didn't bother you before, but in the presence of God, it begins to really take hold of you. And you notice that after Isaiah saw these things and he confesses these things, he experiences mercy, he experiences grace and forgiveness. And that's what happens when we truly worship Him, not just worship Him for a little bit or God, I thank You and praise You while the pastor's telling us we need to lift our hands and worship. No, when we truly worship Him, amen, we're looking upward and we realize how awesome and holy He is. And then we say, Woe is me, God. I am not worthy. You are worthy. I am not worthy, but You are worthy. And as we do that, His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness, Amen, it comes down and it washes us clean. And that's what you experience every time you really worship. And that's not all. Because once you've looked upward and then you've looked inward, you will automatically be prodded to look outward. Isaiah 6 and verse 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. Genuine worship comes full circle because it always leads us to an outward look, a personal response or an action, a desire to be obedient to whatever God calls us to do. This is one of the highest forms of worship when we come full circle and we've seen His worthiness and we've seen our our unworthiness and then we say whatever you tell me to do I'm going to do whatever you want from me God that's where I'm going to go if you want me to speak to somebody if you want me to reach for somebody if you want me to lay something down or pick something up God I'm going to be obedient to you and he says, here am I. Send me, God, whatever you have, whatever you want for my life, I'm going to follow your leading in my life. A worshiper says, God, I don't care if you fix it or not. I know you can fix it. 
I'm not worried. I'm not coming to you as Santa trying to get you to give me stuff. I'm not coming to you as Mr. Fix-It trying to get you to fix my situation. I'm simply going to focus on you and how worthy you are, how holy you are, how awesome you are. And when I focus on that, everything else doesn't really seem to matter much at all. I don't care if you fix it or you don't fix it. I'm going to worship you. I don't care if you, you, you make it all better or if you don't. I'm still going to worship you. And you, some people say, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't like that. I want God to take care of it. I, I thought God was supposed to fix things for me. Well, the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Amen. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. When things are going good, I'm going to bless Him. When things are going bad, I'm going to bless Him. When I understand everything, I'm going to bless Him. When I don't understand it, I'm going to bless Him. Amen. When the doctor says everything's going to be okay, I'm going to bless Him. When the doctor says there's no hope, I'm going to bless Him. I'm going to bless Him. I'm going to bless Him. God, you're worthy. I'm going to bless you at all times. God, you're worthy. I'm going to lift you up into your proper place in my life. I will bless the Lord at all times. Amen. I will bless you, Lord. Even if I don't get out of this pit like I want to get out of I will bless you, Lord. Even if my family doesn't turn around, I'll still bless you. you say, well, that's nice, Pastor. That's good preaching material, right? Okay, just let, be seated. Let me finish it. It's going to come full circle now. Job was a worshiper. You know, there's not one Scripture that talks about Job praising God. But there are two that talk about Job worshiping God. In Job chapter 1 and verse 20 through 22, we read about after all of his children are killed. After all, he loses all of his cattle and all of his flocks, everything. It's all gone. And he's standing there. It shows us. Amen. Job standing on the graves of ten buried children. And the Bible says that he worshipped. Oh, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know if I can... I can't deal with that. Well, I have trouble dealing with it too. I'm trying to understand how Job worships God. Now, now you got to understand the scenario here because Job was being vexed, right, by the devil. The devil said, "Hey, wait a second. Look, I, I, I want to see how how loyal these, you know, your people are to you, and you just take care of them. You put a hedge about them." And God said, well, "Okay, you want to take my servant Job? You, you see that? See, see how he worships? He said, "Yeah, you let me mess with him, and I'll, I'll show him. I'll show, I'll show you." And so what does he do? He, he says, you can, you, can, you can mess with Aaron, just don't take his life. And so the devil messes with him and he messes with him. And you know we see that he messes with everything but Job's wife. And there's a Christian comedian that makes a joke about that. Think about it. Messes with everything but Job's wife. And Job's wife is the one that says, hey, Job, why don't you curse God and die? Why do you think Job's wife wasn't being messed with? She was already carnal in her thinking. She was already messed up in her thinking. The devil didn't have to mess with her. Some of you wonder why the devil messes with you so much. Well, you might be trying to move the right direction. You might be trying to lay aside worldly things. The devil's going to come after you. Amen. He's going to try to do whatever he can to bother you and get on your nerves. And some of you are tired of talking. You're tired of hearing the devil talk. Amen. And you're, you're, you're tired of the devil being on your back. I want to give you a little secret today. If you'll notice something, uh, this shows us the difference between a praiser and a worshiper. 
Because the, the, the question is not really will you worship. The question is who or what will you worship? Everybody worships. Everybody worships something. Amen. And, and, and I was going to show you a video. I, I kind of decided not to. But everybody worships something. And the, the worship that we uh, are, are giving is going to determine what happens in our lives. So everybody worships. It's who or what do you worship? Job, he loses everything he has. And Job worshiped God standing on the grave of his ten buried children. And, and here's what I notice. From chapter 2 until chapter 42, Satan is silent. Been a lot of talking in chapter 1. Satan had a lot to say. But from chapter 2 to chapter 42, you don't hear anything from the devil. Why? Because guess what? Even after all that happened, Job worshipped God. Amen. The scripture says that he worshipped. Now you can, I, you might not like it. It might rub you the wrong way. Uh, I, I don't mean to be offensive, but I hope that none of us ever have to go through anything similar to what Job went through. I mean, you talk about a mess. But listen, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. I want you to get what it's saying here. That's true worship. Whenever we don't charge God foolishly, or we don't say, God, this is your fault, or God, why don't you answer, or God, why didn't you do something about it? But we worship God and say, God, no matter what happens in my life, you're still worthy. No matter what goes on, no matter what I'm dealing with, you're still worthy and I will give you the glory. If you want to get the devil off of your back, if you want to learn how to worship, amen, you've got to learn how to worship God in the face of every terrible situation that you face. Everything that goes against you, you've got to be able to say, still, I will trust you. I still will worship you. I will still put you in the proper place in my life. Amen. And then, you just stay standing. I'm, I'm finishing up. Job chapter 42. Read verse 2. This is what it says. I know. You, you read it last week. You didn't, you didn't even know that there was a backstory, did you? I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. This is after God turned everything around. See, he worshiped God whenever everything was taken away. Now that everything's back, he said, you can do everything. Pastor, I don't know. I, I don't know if I don't know if I can go through this. I don't know if I can deal. God can do everything. Amen. The, the question is not what can God do. It's what part of our life will we give Him? Will we give Him everything? Amen. Will we put Him in the top position of our life, or will we just relegate Him to Sunday only? Psalm chapter one fifty, and I'm closing with this. Psalm one fifty. Verse 2, praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. That's the first part is praise. Praise Him for His mighty acts. It's easy to praise God whenever He heals somebody or, or, or money shows up that you weren't expecting or you know food that you didn't have and boom, God just blesses you. Man, you, man God, you are awesome. We praise Him for His mighty acts. But then the Scripture says, Praise Him, amen, according to His excellent greatness. That is worship. Because His greatness is not even measurable. 
And when you begin to show Him, God, You are worthy of everything that I can give You. Your greatness is more excellent than I could even describe. Amen. And you begin to put Him in the proper place. You go beyond praising and you go into worship. You start with praise because it's easy. And it's easy to be thankful. Amen. If you're not thankful for what God's done for you, why should He ever do anything else? But when you begin to be thankful for what He's already done, it moves you then into a, a dimension of, wow, if He did that, He can do everything. God is able to do anything exceeding abundantly above all I could ask or think. So what, what do I need to do, Pastor? Well, I would suggest that all of us need to refocus our lives, not just uh, on what He's done, but on who He is. But I don't really know who He is. You know what? I wish I, wish I could just snap my fingers and you could have a, a brilliant understanding. But that's not the way it works. The way it works is if you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be opened unto you. If you ask, you will receive. I can't snap my fingers and make any of you be enlightened. That's not how it works. You have to desire it. The Bible says they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Well, I don't know why God's not doing it for me yet. Are you hungry? Or are you filling your life up with a bunch of other things that don't really matter and they're not going to last for eternity? If you really want more of God and you really want to know Him more, what you have to do is you have to set aside everything else and say, God, it's you only. It's you only. i got to have you in my life. I don't know how to do that, Pastor. You, you might need to call a fast on yourself. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up food for three days or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to section off a few hours of my day each, each day that I'm fasting. I'm going to spend time just me and God. It's just going to be me and Him. Well, that sounds nice, Pastor, but we don't have the time to do that. If you're out of touch with God, you don't have the time not to do that. If you don't understand who God is and He doesn't have a position of worthiness in your life, stop everything else. I, some of you are going to think this is... I'm not telling you to quit your job, okay? But you need to take a morning off or an afternoon off and you need to get along with God. If, you, if God's not really very important to you right now and you can take it or leave it, you got problems. you got problems bigger than what job you have. Please, don't, don't be irresponsible. Don't be stupid. I'm not trying to encourage you to do that. I'm just saying, the most important thing you can do is get a revelation of who God is in your life and what He is able to accomplish if you will let Him. So my question is to us today in closing, how will you worship? How will you worship? Now, I know you will worship, but how will you worship? Will you worship God or will you worship things? Will you worship God or will you worship family? Will you worship God or will you worship the job? When we worship God and we put Him first, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, By seeking Him first, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. But we're, most of us do it backwards. We're seeking all the things and then we try to add God in. And it never works. We're still miserable. Wonder why we can never find peace. Worship is going to be displayed in more than just, I'm coming to the altar today. I'm lifting my hands. and I'm going to pacify pastor. I'm going to make it look like I'm really worshiping so he won't come bug me after service. True worship 
is more about how am I gonna how am I gonna live my life the rest of today and then tomorrow and this week and, and how am I gonna live my life? How am I gonna this is gonna be revolutionary? How am I gonna budget my finances this next month in worship? How am I gonna plan the rest of my year prioritizing in worship? I know, I said it's going to be... But it's more than just... That's part of it. That's, that's where we start. But it's got to go beyond just, I come to church, I show up, I lift my hand. Pastor says, clap your hands. I clap my hands. Pastor says, shout, I shout. There's got to be more than that. It's got to be, God, you are worthy. I'm going to give you my whole life. From, from now on, I'm giving you everything. I'm not holding anything back. And when the devil comes and he's trying to get on my back and tell me how bad I am and how I don't deserve it and God can't do it, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to do what, what Job did. I'm going to silence the devil with my worship. Amen. I'm going to keep putting God in His proper place in my life. And I'm going to silence the devil. Amen. So... With every eyes, every every eye being closed and every head being bowed, and just just in this place right now, I wonder if we could take just a second to, to reflect. And before we do anything, before we even respond, I want you to answer that question in my mind: Am I ready to worship God and lay down everything else? Is He really worthy of all of that in my life? If not, then the place where I start today is I start that upward look. I want to see him for who he really is. I want to see him as holy. I want to see him as good. I want to see him as righteous. I want to see him as just. I want to see him, amen, in all of his glory today. And that's the first place. We got to see him in all of his glory. And if you if you if you don't do anything else, do that today. God, I want to see you and begin to just give him the honor that he is deserving of. If you've already done that, you need to move into the repentance phase. And repentance will lead us, amen, if you've never been uh, baptized in Jesus' name, repentance will lead us to being washed in the water, amen, in Jesus' name and baptism. And He wants to fill us with His Spirit. He wants to give us His Spirit, the Holy Ghost, amen. And we'll know that you've received His Spirit as you speak in a language that you didn't learn, amen, as God gives you the ability to do that. You can be changed today. Your life can be forever changed if worship becomes the model for your life and you put God first. So I open up this altar. I open up this whole building right now, wherever you feel comfortable. Why don't you take some time and just make your way into the throne room. Just take, take a little bit of time before you go back out to the hustle and bustle of life and, and make your way into the throne room and see Him high and lifted up. See His train filling the temple. See God in all of His glory and then watch everything else in life begin to not be as important. Amen. Everything else in life that's got you worried and struggling right now that you'll see in a different light. Come on, this altar's open. Let's respond today. How will you worship? How will you respond? Amen. Are you a worshiper? He is seeking worshipers. Amen. He is seeking you today. He wants to know who will worship in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 